Midday on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome to it as we head to the middle part of the week here on the Midday Program. And lots of information to pass along with you, whether it's in ag sports, business news, the regular news, the weather. We've got it all for you here on your Rural Radio Station. And first up, it's our Ag News Director, and that's Susan Littlefield. What have you? Lots of things going on. Coming up at 1219, Bethany Johnson will join Shaley Peters to talk about the Women and Ag Conference that's coming up. At 1245, it, we've all known it, we've heard it, it's proven it. Nebraska has been named among one of the most dependent states for ag exports to Mexico and would suffer under NAFTA withdrawal. So we'll have more about that at 1245, what the economic effects are to us. Also to the north of us in South Dakota and the south in Kansas. And then at 117, Ranking Manufacturing and NCTA Curtis keep working together to get more irrigation techs out in the fields and what they're doing is actually letting some of these kids graduate totally debt-free really yep with scholarships from ranky manufacturing themselves and from the dealerships and to add to it they're giving these kids jobs automatically when they graduate wow that is a great situation yep so we'll have more on that at 117 all right we'll listen in at 117 don't forget about that one sports we've got brandon bennett's in today trivia question for you yes what is the name of the state university system for Nebraska? What is the name of the state university system? For Nebraska. That, of course, would be... It's called the state university system of Nebraska. The University of Nebraska. Same way for Kansas and Missouri and other states. Uh-huh. What is the state university for New Jersey? And, and Susan buzzed in first. <laughs> Yo, what's up? <laughs> it's Rutgers. It is? I did not know that until That's about a year ago, system. but Rutgers, a Big Ten member school, of which the University of Nebraska will play here, that is actually the name of the state university system. It's Rutgers. Oh. Or as we're fond of saying here in Nebraska, Ruggers. Ruggers, yeah, because, you know, who can be bothered with all of those consonants? So we're going to talk Husker basketball, both the men's and the women's. The uh, the Creighton men had a great game last night. We're going to talk some Kansas State football changes. Coach Bill Snyder announced yesterday that uh, some changes, especially on the offensive side of the ball with regards to his coaching staff. And somebody who, along with Tom Brady at 40 years old, who's going to his like umpteenth Super Bowl, making us all feel bad because he's 40 and... <laughs> We're not. Uh, Roger Federer is going to his 14th semifinal at the Australian Open, and he did so by beating a guy for the 20th time. Federer, of course, is 36 years old. Yeah. So all of their doing late in their professional career. and uh, So what you're saying is there's hope for you? I, dear God, I hope so. <laughs> Bob Brogan is in with business. Stocks are mostly falling in midday trading. The dollar is weaker after Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin said the declining dollar is good for U.S. exporters. Gold and silver prices jumped. Meanwhile, home sales are falling. And uh, Toys R Us are going to close. 180 stores, one of my favorite places to shop. And... uh, Last but not least, a Douglas County couple is planning to build a drive-in movie theater on farmland west of Omaha, and the county board is kind of wrestling around with that issue. Kind of an interesting uh, prospect and, uh, you know, kind of a blast from the past. All right. Well, a brand new drive-in theater. Who would have thought it? Wow. All right. It's all coming up for you today on Midday. 
Ag weather now, brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation, your Ranky dealer, as Paul Perkins joins us. And we've got a little bit of a warming trend before we plunge back into the freezer. Yeah, it's going to be a while before we do see significant cold in the area. But yeah, generally some very nice conditions and probably going to get a lot of the snow vanished by the weekend, I would say, most areas. Well, I think no one would argue with you on that <laughs> point. Especially so. cattle producers getting in and out of the feedlots. Absolutely. Yes. Right now we do have temperatures still above or still below freezing in many locations, upper 20s to some low 30s. We see some mid to upper 30s towards Colby and Hill City and also as you head towards the Nebraska Sand Hills towards Thedford. But once again, most of us in the upper 20s to low 30s. Today we're downstream of a ridge of high pressure over the western U.S. That will result in sunshine and warmer than normal temperatures today. Continuing that meltdown of snow, a more southerly flow and that leftover moisture in the atmosphere tonight from the snowmelt may increase the chance for some fog late tonight. But right now, no fog in the forecast. But don't be surprised if you see it by tomorrow morning. Tomorrow going to be one of our warmest in the next seven days as that high-pressure dome moves overhead. Temperatures Friday and the weekend going to be cooler in behind a cold front that arrives Friday morning. Sunday looks to be the coolest in the next seven days, but still not going to be too bad. Temperatures on Sunday will still range from the 30s to the mid-40s, about par for the course for this time of year. January looks to finish with another warm-up for Monday and Tuesday. That's going to be followed by another system that we should be watching for right about Wednesday. Still a lot of details that are uncertain with this system, especially as far as the precipitation type. The colder air is a certainty, and that could last through the first week of February. That up and down in temperatures shows up in our long-term forecast. The likelihood of warmer than normal temperatures the early and mid part of next week in both Nebraska and Kansas. Temperatures will then trend cooler than normal late next week through February 6th. Our precipitation outlook for Nebraska starts out with near-normal precipitation the early and mid part of next week. It will turn slightly above normal precipitation late next week through February 6th. In Kansas, below normal precipitation expected to start the early and mid part of next week. Then we'll trend near normal precipitation in Kansas late next week through the 6th. Weather factors driving the market decisions include lingering dry conditions in Argentina and mixed rainfall in Brazil. A storm system currently in the northwest U.S. will drift east across southern Canada late in the week. That rain will develop along the trailing cold front, but it will be east of the line from the mid-south into the lower Great Lakes. The precipitation ending as snow in the Ohio Valley into the northeast U.S. Dry weather will be found from the plains to the upper Midwest. It's critically dry right now across the southern plains. That's where several grass fires have flared in recent days, and winter wheat conditions continue to suffer from a combination of poor establishment, intensifying drought, and rapid swings in the temperature. No significant precipitation or damaging cold expected the next seven days in the southern plains, but much colder weather in store later next week in both the southern and northern plains. In Argentina, there will be limited rain and seasonal to above normal temperatures through next week. The pattern will increase stress on corn and soybeans. A chance of beneficial rain Saturday may prove to be disappointing for Argentina. Southern Brazil crop weather continues to benefit developing uh, soybeans there. Drier weather in central Brazil is benefiting the maturing of soybeans and early harvest, but the drier trend also depleting soil moisture for the soybeans still developing. Rainfall should increase Friday through Monday towards Brazil. Holdridge Irrigation is your Ranky dealer bringing you the ag weather, and I'm just looking at this forecast that uh, is out for central Nebraska. 
And it seems very simple here. We have kind of mostly attached to some of these terms, but it goes sunny, clear, sunny, clear, sunny, clear, sunny, clear, all the way through Monday. Yeah, very, very quiet and just a slight cool down over the weekend, and it's not even going to be a major cool down when you compare it to what we had earlier in the month here. Things are getting pretty nice. Should be able to get rid of a lot of that slickness out there today, which would be a good thing. Thank you, Paul. Appreciate it very much. We have a great app for you to take a look at when you're looking for weather or just about anything else. And when you need weather anytime. KRVN.com. Proper training to the students. And so uh, they have uh, put in place on our college farm um, a full state-of-the-art pivot system that's on one of our crop fields. And then we have our irrigation uh, technology laboratory in which Ryan Key has donated a lot of control boxes and tower boxes and gear boxes as well as um, a mini pivot system to kind of allow the instructor and the students to kind of, you know, really give that hands-on um, troubleshooting and, and, and design education there. What a great opportunity for these students to get that hands-on experience. It gets them ready for the real world and the fact that once they complete the program and graduate from NCTA, Curtis, They've already got a job lined up. Exactly, exactly. The irrigation industry has a huge need uh, for these for these individuals, and they're they're good quality jobs with good salaries and benefits and, and opportunities for for advancement there. So, you know, to me, if you're for any student that kind of has that interest of working on equipment, you know, you know, even if they don't have any agricultural back, background, you know, this is a great opportunity to to pursue. You know, working outdoors, working on equipment, you know, being involved in the agriculture industry. You know, the other way that Ryan Key can assist if the, you know, the student is really committed that, yes, this is something that I'm very interested in and in, in doing for a living, that they have some scholarship programs available for agreeing to work with the, the company once they complete the, complete the program here at NCTA. Ken Goodall, who's a Western Regional Director for Ryan Key, says it's a perfect match for them and NCTA Curtis. Well, it all stems from a... a a large need in our service techs in the irrigation industry as a whole approached us in the beginning, um, proposed uh, a concept, and between them and uh, us and help from other people at Ranky, Todd Merriman, who's in charge of our service department, and um, fellow territory managers and you know others, we kind of devised this program is a little different than everybody else's that we're trying to do this. Everybody else in the past always tried to do a two years or, t- or uh, <clears throat> program where they ended up with a degree at the end and what we were looking for was more of a get them off to a, a good start. So one year we condensed everything down to a one year program um, if took our probably 10-day program and got a lot more in-depth and stretched out and got into electrical code and all that type of stuff and stretched out to a, you know, nine months of their, to fit a, a single school year. And again, to help students that are involved in the program, Ken Goodall said that they offer some scholarships, not only from Ranky, but also from some of the dealers in the area. So so another great opportunity to leave school with less debt. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Nebraska's Women in Agriculture Conference is just around the corner. And our guest today, Bethany Johnson, an extension educator with Nebraska Extension, to visit with us about that. 
and Shaylee Peters on the Rural Radio Network. And Bethany, as I mentioned, this is just around the corner coming up the end of February, but people are needing to get registered now for it. Talk to us, jump right in, and let us know what are some of the exciting things happening with this year's conference. Yes, I've helped with the Women in Ag Conference for over 10 years, and this is the first year I've I've got to coordinate it, and I've, I'm just real excited for the speakers that we have and the concurrent sessions. We have just a huge range for farm and ranch and landowner topics, so we're real excited for the speakers that we have. And this year, the conference is going to be at Kearney at the Holiday Inn Convention Center on Thursday, February 22nd through Friday the 23rd. And we have early bird registration that will be $125 through February 13th, and that's for both days. And then starting on the 14th, it will jump up to $150, um, but we also welcome any walk-ins that we have. There are a wide range of topics for women involved in any part of agriculture, all the way from the financial side to the health and well-being. If you had to pick some of the highlights or some of the things that you think women will really uh, enjoy at this year's conference, what would you say those are? Yeah, so at the conference, we tried to cover the, the five risks that farmers and ranchers encounter so production risk, market risk, financial risk, human risk, and legal risk. And we'll have speakers talking everything from drought to marketing. We're also going to have sessions on Quicken and QuickBooks and um, how to handle your employees, um, how to transition and do some estate planning. So there's just a real wide topic of speakers that we have. And our keynotes, I'm excited for them. We have Ruth Hamilton, who actually founded Annie's Project. And um, she's going to talk about, um, you know, how to understand the, the financial situation um, that you're in and, and how to deal with that. And then also she's going to talk about um, the softer side of farm management. And then we also have Ann Finkner from Farm Credit Services who is going to talk about bringing out your full potential as a woman in ag. And so we just have some real great keynotes as well sprinkled throughout the conference. Okay, and again, if someone is wanting to get registered and you mentioned to do it ahead of time before that deadline and the price goes up, someone's wanting to get registered right away, where do we send them for that information? Yes, so we encourage everybody to go online to the Women in Ag website, which is WIA unl.edu and there's a link on there where you can register for the conference online and um, you can play, pay with a debit or credit card pick your speakers that you're going to go to um, if you don't have a credit card just mark that you'll send a check and then when you go to um, pick up your registration the day of the conference you can drop your che check off then all right, thanks so much. It's Bethany Johnston, Nebraska Extension Extension Educator, visiting with us about this year's Women in Ag Conference. Get registered now. It's happening February 22nd and the 23rd at the Holiday Inn Convention Center in Kearney. For more on that, you can visit RuralRadio.com. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.
It's midday on the Rural Radio Network and time to check sports today with Brandon Betts. Good afternoon, Dirk. Nebraska continues its road trip this evening as the Huskers are in Piscataway, New Jersey to take on the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. Tip-off at the Rutgers Athletic Center is set for shortly after 6 p.m. Central Time. At Rutgers, this season so far is 12-9 following a 62-47 loss at number 23 Michigan on Saturday. Earlier in the road trip, the Huskers, who are 14-8 and overall, 5-4 and in the Big Ten, had a golden opportunity to knock off number 13 Ohio State on Monday, but the Buckeyes used a late 7-0 run in the final minutes to earn a 64-59 victory. And the Nebraska women's basketball team is back at home at the Pinnacle Bank Arena this evening to take on Big Ten rival Purdue. Tip-off between the Big Red, who are currently 14-6 and 5-2 and and in the Big Ten, and the Boilermakers, who sit at 13-7 and 4-2 and and in the Big Ten. That matchup is set for 7 p.m. Central Time this evening. Nebraska is a perfect 7-0 in true road games this season, including 4-0 in the Big Ten, and they're coming off a 52-42 win at number 25 Rutgers on Sunday. Marcus Foster had 24 points and 8 boards, and Kyrie Thomas added 9 points and 7 rebounds as Creighton got its third straight season sweep of St. John's with a 68-63 victory yesterday evening. Toby Hegner chipped in 16 points for Creighton, who now sit at 16-5 overall and 6-3 in the Big East. Kansas State head football coach Bill Snyder announced yesterday that wide receivers coach Andre Coleman has been promoted to offensive coordinator, while offensive line coach Charlie Dickey and quarterbacks coach Colin Klein have been named co-offensive coordinators. Dickey will coordinate the run game, while Klein will coordinate the passing game. Coleman is a former K-State wide receiver and has tutored the Wildcat wideout since 2013, and was elevated to pass game coordinator prior to the 2016 season. Coleman was a four-year letter winner at wide receiver under Snyder from back in the day in 1990-93. to Dickey was an original staff member of Snyder's second tenure in 2009, coaching the offensive line, and then he was promoted to run game coordinator prior to the 2016 campaign. Dickey is a 30-year coaching veteran and is regarded as one of the best offensive line coaches in the country, having tutored K-State's offensive linemen to 22 All-Big 12 honors since his arrival. As for Klein, he'll begin his second season tutoring the quarterbacks this year. In 2012, he was a runner-up for the Heisman Trophy after quarterbacking the Wildcats to a Big 12 championship, and he just completed his first season as an assistant coach at K-State this past year. And Roger Federer has reached his 14th semifinal at the Australian Open by beating Tomas Berdick for the 20th time. Federer, the 36-year-old defending champion, also became the oldest man to reach the semifinals at Melbourne Park since Ken Rosewell did it in 1977 at the age of 42 and the oldest man to advance to the Final Four of any major since Jimmy Connors at the 1991 U.S. Open when Connors was 39. That's a look at sports. Stay tuned. More of Midday is straight ahead. You're listening to The Rule Radio Network. Clear skies in Nebraska tonight, lows in the 20s. I'm Dave Schroeder. The father of a man killed at the Tecumseh State Correctional Institution during a riot last year has sued the state and several individuals saying staff watched the attack on prison surveillance video and did nothing to save him. The father of 31-year-old Michael Galindo filed the lawsuit in federal court in Lincoln. The lawsuit says the state had a duty to protect Galindo from harm. Galindo was one of two inmates killed during the prison riot in March 2017. Authorities say Galindo was stabbed more than 130 times. 
Another inmate, Eric Ramos, is charged with first-degree murder in Galindo's death. The lawsuit seeks damages for Galindo's pain and suffering, as well as punitive damages for the state's willful and wanton acts and omissions. U.S. Senator Deb Fischer, chair of the Surface Transportation Committee, has uh, chaired a hearing at Enhancing Surface Transportation Security for America's Passenger and Freight Rail, as well as mass transit, highways, and ports. Last October, an armed man was able to stop a California Zephyr Amtrak train near Oxford, Nebraska. He has since been charged with terrorism. We must be constantly vigilant against threats to our country, including on our nation's transportation system. Al-Qaeda has reportedly issued instructions for attacking our railroads, calling them our easiest targets. It's clear that our ports, highways, pipelines, and railroads are at risk. Last year, Senator Fisher co-introduced a bill that would address security vulnerabilities at the TSA by requiring the agency to increase training frontline surface transportation operators and employees and take other steps to improve safety. University of Nebraska Lincoln police are investigating an incident on campus. No information was given on when it occurred or a more specific location. A UNLPD spokesperson says a female student reported that an unknown male passenger of a vehicle grabbed her as she was walking on campus. UNL police say they have increased patrols and are actively investigating the incident. A Kansas City area businessman who previously gained national attention as an independent U.S. Senate candidate has kicked off a campaign for Kansas governor. Greg Orman posted an ad online. He says he's challenging Republican U.S. Senator Pat Roberts. Orman challenged Republican U.S. Senator Pat Roberts in 2014 and received almost 43% of the vote after the Democrats dropped out. In the governor's race, he's viewed as a potential spoiler, hurting the Democratic nominee the most. Your phone is just one click away from closings and cancellations when you use our app. Reporting from the KRVN News Center, I'm Dave Schroeder. Nebraska has been named among the most dependent states on ag exports to Mexico, and it would suffer under a NAFTA withdrawal. Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Matt McAlvina is with Farmers for Free Trade. Yes, a major economic impact in Nebraska. We have looked at the states, the, the 10 most impacted states, um, particularly focusing on states that have heavy exports to Mexico. Um, one, back in 1993, when NAFTA was first put into place, it eliminated nearly all tariffs on exports to Mexico, everything from beef to pork to soy to corn. Um, in the event that the U.S. withdraws from NAFTA, all of those ex- all of those exports and all of those tariffs go back up in what would amount to a major tax increase on Nebraska farmers and ranchers. What are some things, as you look over this this report that you guys put together, what do you see as some of the biggest downfalls for those in agriculture? Well, I think primarily it's going to be the tariff increases. Um, those would be immediately applied to a whole wide array of commodities that Nebraska produces, 
But it's also the fact that some of the major export markets for Nebraska, um, including our closest partners, obviously, in Canada, Canada and Mexico, would begin to look to other markets across the country, across the globe, I'm sorry, for their imports. Um, that means they'll start uh, to import wheat from Europe, for example, um, or other grains from South America if they feel like um, the United States is not providing them with the certainty uh, in terms of an export market that we have for decades. I find it interesting, as I was reading over the report, it really profiles kind of the corridor of, of movement of grains and livestock. You're talking Missouri, South Dakota, Nebraska, Texas, Iowa, Kansas, and, and some states as well to the to the east of that, all having a huge pa- impact, whether it comes rail or by semi. It really is. It's right down the Mississippi um, into Mexico, and it has a huge impact not just on farmers and rural rural communities, but if we were to lose access to critical export markets, including Mexico, it would have an impact on everybody in the agricultural production cycle. Um, That includes growers, harvesters, processors, packagers, packagers, and it also includes a lot of folks in transportation, um, whether that's railroad workers or truck drivers or the folks that are working the grain elevators. Now, really, this impact uh, of NAFTA, should it not go through, has more, I mean, we talked about the impact that, I guess, Matt, that it has on agriculture, but it goes beyond that because it has such a trickle-down effect to the main streets of those rural communities, to the big cities in these states that you talked about. It really does. We all know that um, trade is a major contributor contributor to farm incomes right now, Um, and particularly at a time when farm incomes over the past couple years have slid, it's important that uh, trade and and access to other markets are available um, so that there is a support system in place for agriculture. Um, And trade in many ways supports agriculture, and agriculture is the engine of rural communities. And if we see international trade dip, um, we will certainly see uh, rural communities suffer, um, and the carryover impacts will include, you know, contributions to local community organizations and all of the other things that come out of the pockets of rural farmers. Your two co-chairs are, are two senators who understand agriculture, understand NAFTA. What type of influence discussion will they be able to have with their counterparts there in D.C. since this report's been released? Well, they have now for months um, actively been talking to a number of their former colleagues. Um, Max Baucus in particular, the former um, ambassador to China, as well as the former senior senator from Montana, has been in touch with Pat Roberts, uh, Senator Pat Roberts of Kansas, who is the current Ag Committee chairman. And they're certainly talking about the need to build bipartisan support outside of Washington, D.C., in America's heartland for trade. That's something that we've seen erode over the past couple years. A lot of it had to do with the fact that trade became a little bit of a dirty word during the uh, 2016 campaign. And both senators are working to ensure that there is a network of grassroots support 
for trade, and that's why they have um, co-chaired Farmers for Free Trade and why they feel like we need to continue to build momentum around support for trade in rural communities. My conversation with Matt McAlvin on Farmers for Free Trade. Now, if you would like to read the entire report, it is called the NAFTA Withdrawal Tax. And those states affected include Missouri, New Mexico, South Dakota, Texas, Nebraska, Iowa, Kansas, Arkansas, North Dakota, and Minnesota. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Rural Radio Network. For uh, more commentary on the closing livestock futures, we go to Joe Teal of Great Plains Commodities. And Joe, an interesting and mixed close in the cattle and hogs. Yes, it was. It was very interesting. Uh, cattle, farmer, uh, the live cattle, firmer uh, throughout the day, closing uh, higher all the way across, uh, whereas the uh, feeders closed lower all the way across. Uh, and then a pretty good uh, move out of the hogs today to the plus side. Over the cattle, uh, basically the same things that have been going on all week. Cut out for a little higher at noon. That helped uh, matters. The expectations are for good uh, trade at higher money. Uh, we have seen a little trade so far, but uh, not what anybody's anticipated yet. And uh, uh, But uh, good fund buying still continues to uh, find the market in liquidation, particularly out of the uh, February contract uh, throughout the day. So that kept it strong. Over in the feeders, uh, because of the rally in the grains, particularly the corn, uh, the feeders uh, finishing a little bit lower. I uh, tried to rally, but uh, couldn't keep pace, especially uh, uh, as the day went on. So they finish a little bit lower. Hogs, cash steady. Looks like it's uh, steady firm once again. And uh, that uh, helped propel the, uh, the hogs higher. Uh, still uh, the nearby Feb care, trying to catch up with the uh, index, which continues to climb. Still a little bit discount. But uh, pretty good uh, buying uh, in the other months, though, too. So we had a higher close there. So mixed in the livestock with the cattle and the hogs higher and the feeders lower. Edge Joe Teal of Great Plains Commodities called Joe at 1-800-328-0134. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. A partnership between a college and a business is turning off professionals in less than a year. Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. A partnership that started back in 2012 puts ranking manufacturing with NCTA Curtis students. Dr. Brad Ramsdale is the Associate Professor of Agronomy at NCTA Curtis. We have developed a certificate program that a student can complete in one year if they desire to prepare for the careers that are available in, in servicing the, the center pivot um, irrigation systems that are out there. And so Ryan Key has helped us tremendously because that certainly requires a lot of irrigation equipment to um, provide the proper training to the students. And so uh, they have uh, put in place on our college farm um, a full state-of-the-art uh, pivot system that's on one of our crop fields. And then we have our irrigation uh, technology laboratory in which Ryan Key has donated a lot of control boxes and tower boxes and gear boxes as well as um, a mini pivot system to kind of allow the instructor and the students to kind of, you know, really give that hands-on um, 
troubleshooting and, and, and design education there. What a great opportunity for these students to get that hands-on experience. It gets them ready for the real world. And the fact that once they complete the program and graduate from NCTA, Curtis, they've already got a job lined up. Exactly, exactly. The irrigation industry has a huge need uh, for these for these individuals, and they're, they're good quality jobs with good salaries and benefits and, and opportunities for, for advancement there. So, you know, to me, if you're, for any student that kind of has that interest of working on equipment, you know, you know, even if they don't have any agricultural back, background, you know, this is a great opportunity to, to pursue, you know, working outdoors, working on equipment, you know, being involved in the agriculture industry. You know, the other way that Reinke can assist if, you know, the student is really committed that, yes, this is something that I'm very interested in, in, in doing for a living, that they have some scholarship programs available for agreeing to work with the, the company once they complete the, complete the program here at NCTA. Ken Goodall, who's a Western Regional Director for Reinke, says it's a perfect match for them and NCTA Curtis. Well, it all stems from a, a, a large need in for service tax in the irrigation industry and a whole. Approached us in the beginning, um, proposed uh, a concept, and between them and uh, us and help from other people at Ranky, Todd Merriman is in charge of our service department, and um, fellow territory managers and, you know, others who we kind of devised this program that was a little different than everybody else's that were trying to do this. Everybody else in the past always tried to do a two years or, t- or uh, <coughs> program where they ended up with a degree at the end. And what we were looking for was more of a get them off to a, a good start. So one year we condensed everything down to a one year program um if took our probably 10-day program and got a lot more in depth and stretched out and got into electrical code and all that type of stuff and stretched out to a you know nine months of their to fit a, a single school year and again to help students that are involved in the program ken goodall said that they offer some scholarships not only from ranky but also from some of the dealers in the area. So, so another great opportunity to leave school with less debt. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. For a look at the closing grain markets, we go to Mark Hendershot, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel's Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. Mark, as we take a look here to the closing grain markets, a day that should put a smile on many producers' faces. Yeah, without a doubt. We had a uh, fairly sharp drop in the U.S. dollar today, which put us down below 90, which I think is a crucial number for, for a lot of buyers coming in. We saw the the Philippines step in and buy 132,000 ton, metric tons of soy meal and 135,000 tons of uh, of winter wheat today, which is a rare occurrence. So this, this lower dollar is bringing in new buyers which the demand factor is a, is a huge portion of, of what's going to cause this thing to rally. And I think leading, leading the way today was, was obviously winter wheat. And I think for the next 10 days, especially in the area you guys are in, you're going to see 10 days of dryness. So uh, I think that's on traders' minds. And, and 
And Mark, the U.S. dollar, that has been on traders' minds throughout much of the day as we continue. Is there anything, any factors coming up that could reverse this dollar's down direction from today? Not that I'm aware of. Not that I'm aware of. You know, you could have Trump come out and say some stuff that, that, that could cause it to turn around a little bit. But, you know, this thing's been on a downward movement for the last year. A year ago, we were 12, 13 basis points higher, and we basically had the same carryover. And so this is this is definitely going to bring in new buyers. Just the fact that Philippines stepped in and bought, what they bought today was surprising, you know. So that... To me, that that's a fairly big deal. So, I, I, as a producer, you need to seriously consider looking at making soybean sales, especially if you're behind, especially if you're behind pace to where you want to be. And that leads me to my next question: With these rallies seen today, are we going to start to see some grain start to move off the farm? I think so. I think so. One big key factor: watch basis, and that'll tell you how much grain's moving. We saw bases start to, to improve the last few weeks, and I wouldn't be surprised to see that. I know in your area locally, Milo bases right now is, is very good. Um, you know, you might see bean bases improve at this, as this price is above $10. And once you get six contracts above $10, it's, it's usually a good time to start making sales. That is Mark Hendershot here from Daniel's Ag Marketing.